You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? So tonight we're going to be talking about a Netflix movie, and this, I believe, is the first uh, movie in Netflix's launch of a new movie a week for the whole year kind of thing. Maybe not the first one. Maybe they put one out the first week. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw that story or that trailer, but they had a trailer of the 27 first uh, of the year movies that they're going to be putting out, which also included The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot in Red Notice, and a movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. I think that one was called... I don't know. I don't remember what it was called, but it's I don't, a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I love Leonardo DiCaprio. Um I'm kind of hit or miss with Jennifer Lawrence. I like there's some movies she does that I like and then other movies I'm like, yeah, okay. I think she's a great uh actress, you know what I mean? I just it's just certain, I don't know, I guess just certain movies she does uh don't resonate as much with me, but uh but yeah, I mean Netflix I think for the most part does a really or has at least been doing a a, a pretty good job or a really good job on um putting out kind of exclusive content. So you know, the fact that they're going to be dumping like a huge, it's like, it's basically like, you know, it, it kind of like the, the, the knife in the back of theaters, if you will. It's like, okay, well, we know theaters are screwed. Uh, so we're just gonna, we're just gonna go full flex mode and just dump every movie that we have in the coffers uh, onto the streaming service. Um, but which you know, uh, all joking aside, they they have to do that. There's there's so many competing platforms now. They really you know. Oh yeah. Uh, it's just going to continue to grow and to grow and to grow and and so you know if you're someone who wants to make kind of like these you know bigger budgeted, uh, less creative controlled films, uh, there's probably no greater time to try to get in the industry than right now because. Uh, it's only going to continue to get worse, folks. They're going to need more <laughs> and more and more and more exclusive content. So I think it, uh, you know, I think it has the potential to be a really ga- a great time for uh, creators. You know, so to to just name some of the movies that we you can see in that trailer, there's Army of the Dead, which is Zack Snyder's uh, zombie movie, which has Batista and Tignataro and. Uh, a, a slew of other people in it. A ton um, of people. A ton, ton of, of people. people. Uh, the Jennifer Lawrence Leonardo DiCaprio movie is called Don't Look Up. Uh, so to me, that sounds kind of oh, it says it's a political satire. I don't know. I don't know what it means. I to me, Don't Look Up hmm. sounds like a horror movie, but I guess it's a political satire. Uh, there is a there's a musical in there, which is Lin Manuel Miranda's directorial debut called Tick Tick Boom, which I believe has Andrew Garfield in it, but I might I might be mistaken. Did you ever end up watching Hamilton? Because I know you were like adamantly like, you know, like hatred of of Hamilton. Did you ever watch it? I don't have a hatred of Hamilton. I just don't want to watch it. And I have still not watched it. And I am going to hold that streak. Just like I have still held the streak of never watching Titanic. I have never actually watched Titanic. Oh, really? I've seen parts of it because, you know, you're flipping through channels and it's on. Uh, Sure. But yeah, I've I've never watched Titanic. I've never watched. Uh, I'm not gonna watch Hamilton unless unless there is for a big reason that I have to watch it. Okay. Well, anyone listening that wants to propose a uh, fantasy football challenge to Mitch at some point, I think we just found a good winner for the consequences. How just throwing that out there. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> um, on a side note, spoiler alert, uh, there's other ways you can consume those stories because they're based on real events. So, uh, you this know, is true. I'm you, sure you kind of have an idea of what happens already. You could crack open a history book. Yeah. Um, you have Halle Berry's directorial debut in Bruised. You have a Malcolm and Marie, which is starring Zendaya and John David Washington, which we just talked about him in 
Tenant last week. So are, uh, are you going to watch Click Click Boom? Sorry, that's where I was going with that. Like, <laughs> since you're kind of like not a Lin Manuel Miranda fan, I'm assuming. Like, are you going to? No, are, actually, are you I am. I like Lin Manuel Miranda. I like his stuff. I like a lot of his other stuff that I've seen him in. Um, it's called Tick Tick Boom, not Click Click Boom. Oh, I, Tick I, Tick Boom. Yeah, I'm sure they don't want to have any <laughs> problems with uh, DMCA strikes. That band. I forget who the na- that name of that band is. Was uh, it? Uh, Hmm. I don't was it remember. saliva? I I have no clue. I could I, maybe yeah. That might that sounds about right. Um. Also, there is going to be the third chapter of "To All the Boys I've Loved Before" and the Kissing Booth. The third chapter. Yeah, because there's wow. been those two movies plus a sequel for each one of those movies. This will be the second sequel for each one of those movies coming wow. out this year. Yeah. So. Wow. Uh. Any of those things that are very uh, in, like interesting to you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to watch um, Tick Tick Boom, or, or yeah, I think that's what's called. Yeah, definitely want to watch that. Um, I, I I'm interested in watching Halle Berry's directorial debut as well. Be very curious to see. Uh, I think her film's called Bruiser, so be really interested to see what that's kind of about. I think um, it's just bruised, isn't it? Or is it bruised? Okay, yeah. I might have missed seeing that then. Um, yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what that's kind of all about. Um, I, I like a lot of Zack Snyder's work. So, of course, you know, Army of the Dead. Um, and a lot of the people that I also love Batista. Uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm 100% on board to watch that as well. I, it's pre- I have to say, I think it's pretty remarkable, like, how... I don't know. If you were to go back, like even ten years ago, or or maybe maybe a little bit further, I, I man, I mean, I think as a as a thing, we had an idea that Netflix was going to be big, but I it just I hadn't. It, I would have never thought that they were going to become like this massive conglomerate of a of a media company. Yeah, and it's just it's. It, I don't know. It's really, it's really kind of interesting how much content they're exclusively producing. Like, it's just really fascinating to me. And I think, you know, like you said, the fact that they're going to be kind of dropping, uh, you know, seemingly a very large movie every week. Like that's, I don't know. I think that's really incredible. So yeah, I definitely want to try to watch, uh, as much as I can and see, kind of what all they're doing and it, it's it's also really cool because it sounds like they have such a spectrum of films too like they're not really just hitting like one type of movie like they're doubling down on just about every type of content you could imagine so it's it's really kind of interesting from that standpoint yeah no if when we when netflix first started and we're talking about the dvds in the mail uh i totally was against it. I was like, I don't want to watch a movie two days from now. I want to watch the movie now. I don't understand. Like, why is this a thing? Why are people interested in it? I think, I think the best thing that they did with that was give out, uh, not give out, but rent out um, series, TV series stuff, because that works out mm-hmm. the best. You had two discs. You watch the first one. You send the first one back. You can start watching the second one, which is what usually three, four episodes or something. And then mm-hmm. by the time you're done with that, the next disc came in. So that worked out great. I think that's you know that worked out well for them. And then I don't know when it was. Probably what 2008 is when they started streaming stuff. Like that blew it out the water. That was the big thing then, right? That was like, oh well, this is it. This is what where everything is going. People can watch this at home stream whatever they want yeah it wasn't the new movies but it was the stuff that people still wanted to watch and uh it, it killed it so and then we get netflix we get netflix as the way we know it now with original programming that people love and they don't have a lot of the older shows that people loved anymore like the big one this year was the office they lost the office because it went to peacock which makes sense because universal made the office and they wanted it on their streaming platform but they're like I was flipping through Netflix earlier today before I started watching the movie that we we're going to talk about. And, uh, they had old, uh, Bruce Lee movies on there now. I was like, Oh, see, this is what I, this is what it's about for me. Like finding some of the older stuff too. Uh, I love a lot of their original programming, but there's so much of their original programming that I don't even know about. Like when I was looking for outside the wire, like I had to search for it on my Netflix, which is, I thought was weird. Why wouldn't it? It's the first weekend out. Why wouldn't it be one of the top suggested things for me? But I had to go to the search, 
they said one of the search results was The Outsider starring Jared Leto from 2018. It's like, why did I not hear about this? This is an original movie from them uh, where, you know, he's this dude and it's all, it looks like he's in Japan or China or some Asian country and has to kick everybody's asses, which, you know, the old trope of white guy come, comes around and beats everybody, beats up all the Asians using martial arts kind of is bad, but still seemed kind of interesting. Yeah, I I was I don't know, it was just so funny like um it, it for me it did it it was front and center when I opened up uh Netflix, but I guess to be fair like I haven't been using it nearly as much as you probably have, so I guess maybe that's why mine was just like front and center with like outside that or maybe they're just like this guy really loves this type of movie, so <laughs> front and center and I'm like, hey, okay, maybe that's maybe you're right." Like um but yeah, no, it is it is crazy. And uh, it, it, speaking of The Office, I was reading something the other day that was talking about like it switching over. And uh, I guess I, it, it must have been, I don't know if this was just on Netflix or if it was, uh, you know, accessible anywhere else. But uh, apparently in 2020, there was 50 billion hours of The Office watched. I was like, dang, that's that is freaking wild yeah in 2020 it was the most streamed show and i i know that's i mean everybody made it a big point to point out that hey the office is leaving netflix at the end of 2020 so please you know watch it as much as you can uh it is also on constant rerun on comedy central so there's that Uh, i don't know if that adds up to or that adds into the hours that you're talking about or not but that is a possibility I would assume it would have to. I, I would. I would just genuinely assume that they were calculating that based on views, you know, of everything everywhere for it. And I mean, man, the syndication on that alone, though, brilliant. Like they, they just like Friends, you know, they're netting tons of money off that stuff <laughs> just from redistributing it to other places and stuff. It's incredible. So, I, out of the, those movies that were on that trailer, um, I, I am definitely very interested in in. Um, Red Notice because I mean it's Ryan Reynolds and The Rock together and obviously Gal Gadot also being in there which is awesome but uh, the little bit of Ryan Reynolds that's in Hobbs and Shaw you know playing off The Rock is is hilarious so I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean anything that pretty much anything that has The Rock in it I will watch uh, and pretty much anything that Ryan Reynolds is in I will watch uh, so. Put the two of them together, and you've basically got a cocktail for success. I, I'm pretty positive. Well, funny that you should, you should mention that. Takes us into our next story. Uh, Kevin Feige, while doing press for One Division this past week, um, went ahead and said, "Yeah, uh, Deadpool is going to be a part of the MCU, and he's going to keep his uh, R rating for that movie." So. Uh, I know that you're a big fan of Deadpool, but maybe not so much a big fan of the movies. How do you feel about him making a proper introduction into the MCU? No, I, I've liked the movies. Um, you know, I think whatever happened and, and however that footage initially got leaked um, <laughs> and and we got the movie, like kudos to whoever leaked that because uh, I don't think we'd necessarily have it otherwise. And, you know, I, I think the big thing for me is, is introducing him into the MT- MCU um, I'm totally fine with that as long as as long as it doesn't become this issue of where it's like, you know, we're going to lose track of. And, and, you know, to be fair, I, I think Marvel's done a pretty good job of with I think, man, I feel like uh, what was it? Captain Marvel um, is probably the major one that comes to mind where it seems to suffer and not really be that strong of a standalone movie. Like that movie feel, or felt, uh, at least to me, a lot like a film that needed to exist to kind of fill in some gaps or add some additional information, or at least that was maybe the attempt or the hope. But it, it, that movie didn't really feel like it felt uh, or it stood that strong on its own. That would be my only concern with with Deadpool is, you know, if they're trying to pull it into the MCU, you know, I, I I commend them for staying with the R rating because, you know, traditionally that's not what the MCU movies have been. Um, granted, they have gotten dark in a few of them when I think contextually it it, it mattered to the content and, and I applaud them for that. And so the fact that they're bringing this in and they're kind of, you know, at least up front committing to it going uh, R rated 
you know, it, it, again, they might do the same thing they did with the second one where they do the R-rated version then eventually do like a PG-13 one or something with like alternative cuts and, and edits or whatever. But yeah, I think as long as they stay kind of true to what Deadpool is and not try to just shoehorn it in there for the sake of having it in the MCU and the story can stand on its own and not suffer by having to be a gateway film or, you know... I'm totally okay with it. I think it gives them the ability to kind of go in a lot of different directions that they probably couldn't have gone before. And so uh, I'm excited for it. You know, I, I definitely would be very curious to see what they ultimately choose to do and, and how they integrate it and what role uh, Wade might play in the MCU. If even a, a small, seemingly insignificant role, maybe uh, I, I'm still on board for this and excited for it. What about you? Because I mean, like you are a very big fan of the MCU films and and a comic lover, of course, of Marvel as well. So, like, how do you feel about him making his cinematic debut into the MCU, if you will? I mean, I'm all for it. I think it's going to be great. I love the fact that all the characters are going to be in one place other than spider-man i mean spider-man is kind of anyway sort of it's kind sort of, of a weird yeah. limbo yeah he's kind of in a weird limbo and i think their last deal with sony made it so that more of the characters can cross over but i mean that's exactly what i want i want the deadpool movie to be like deadpool 3 to be a lot like his other two deadpool movies i want him to break the fourth wall i want him to uh, be silly, interact, you know, be R-rated, not afraid to, you know, blow up a dude after putting a bomb in his butt kind of thing. Um, but I also want him to show up in other MCU movies, and I want it to be how it is in the comic books, where when he shows up in someone else's comic book, he doesn't do a lot of the zany, uh, break the fourth wall kind of stuff. It's He's still crazy, and he's still weighed. He just is maybe toned down because he's not the focus of attention, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's what I would, does. yeah, that's what I would want in in the MCU movie. So if he shows up in a in the next Spider Man movie, which would make a lot of sense because Deadpool and Spider Man have a uh, history, um, that would be great. Uh, obviously, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman have a huge history. So if he can talk Hugh Jackman into coming back for a cameo in as Wolverine or for something, that would be pretty cool too. I think the uh, the other thing that I'm re- I would really want to happen in because of news that happened this week, um, I I would love to see Deadpool and Captain America interact with each other because I always thought that those were great interactions when they did in the comic book. Unfortunately, our uh, Chris Evans has you know at the end of Endgame was done like he his Steve Rogers went away and and married someone and grew old and it was the end of his story. Now after the story of Deadpool 3 making its way into the MCU uh, was official, there was a reported story of Chris Evans in final negotiations or talks to come back and reprise his role as Captain America. Not so much in a Captain America movie, but in some type of, uh, not a little bit bigger than cameo, like maybe supporting role, like how uh, the example everybody's using is, uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Spider-Man Homecoming, where you know he's a big part of the movie. He's just it's not his movie. Uh, and then maybe a second movie after that. Now that is just being reported. Uh, Chris Evans himself on his Twitter said that's news to me. Not he, he didn't have a link to anything uh, specific. He just said that's news to me. So who knows? Hmm. Who knows what that what what's going on over there in in uh la la land um we'll see if if he can come back and and captain america and deadpool can interact i will be one happy uh fanboy (laughs) so i do have a i guess this does raise a a question for me so at the at the end of deadpool 2 we see wade Mm -hmm. time traveling and killing (laughs) someone working on green lantern does that mean that the dcu now exists canically with inside of the mcu i think the dcu uh exists canonically inside of wade wilson's head <laughs> interesting that's exactly because he even paradox he even says like uh what was it in deadpool 2 he's like uh when Cable is kicking his ass. He says something to the fact where, are you from the DCU or something like that? You're so dark. 
Are you from the DCEU? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I just thought about that. I was like, wait a second. Oh my gosh. I was like, they're gonna cause an entire black hole end of world event by merging these two universes I together. Mean, in that in in the credit scene, he also goes back and kills the former version of himself from Wolverine Origins. So <laughs> Oh true and that's true too. <laughs> so I don't know if Warner Brothers is listening, but if you're looking at selling DC, uh you might want to talk to Disney because I, I think they would probably buy it. I mean it is uh one of their properties, DC films, and they are having their own issues over there right now, but I think I think with Aquaman and Wonder Woman, they are very happy with what the direction that their DC films are going. I don't know if they're so happy with Wonder Woman after the last outing. It sounds like uh, they did not uh, do particularly what they were hoping to. I mean, it's it's still number one in the box office at the moment. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, they could at least say that it's not making the money that they wanted, obviously, but it's also bringing in people to HBO Max, which is what they also want. So. It, they and they greenlit a third movie, so we'll see how the third movie does. I mean, that's definitely fair. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed, it's better. However, speaking of Disney owning owning everything, like the MCU, uh, Lucasfilms, or more specifically, Lucasfilm Games, uh, has announced that Bethesda is going to be making an Indiana Jones game. Mm-hmm. Did you yeah, know? Beth- did, you, did you know about the story? Uh, yeah, Bethesda is going to be making an Indiana Jones game, and I believe uh, Ubisoft is actually in talks or or maybe a little bit further along than that to develop like a open world Star Wars um, game. Star Wars game. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. So, well, first, I mean, Bethesda and Machine Games is making the the Indiana Jones game. I guess. What do you think about that? Because I, I, I believe you're also a fan of Indiana Jones. No, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, most of them. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, still stand by the fourth one being just fine. It's just fine movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. That's fine. Agree to disagree. I guess. Okay. Um, I mean, it exists. It's it's out there. So uh, the hard work was getting it made, and they they did that. So I mean, kudos for for that. I guess. Um, yeah. I, I. You know. I don't know. It's it's funny because like. Um, you know, we've got Tomb Raider, which is is a pretty good game within, I would assume, which is kind of in the same genre as that. And then, of course, you've got um, uh, the Uncharted games that uh, Naughty, Dog, Naughty Dog does that uh, also are, are pretty great. So I think already off the bat, them kind of creating a Indiana Jones-based uh, game that's kind of more in line with, you know, current consoles and things like that because i think they had like an old indiana jones game like back in the day maybe on like super nintendo or nintendo or something like that i'm sure they've had an indiana jones game before i'm sure but i think when you're stepping in that space now um you know you've got a you've got pretty big shoes to try and fill now and and my hope would be that they're not going to just rely on the Indiana Jones IP as like this crutch to just be like, well, the game doesn't have to be fantastic because it's Indiana Jones, like people are just going to buy it and play it. So my hope would be that they do it. I don't want to say the right way, but hopefully they would kind of bring some new things to the table with inside of that genre of game style, especially with so much uh, kind of stiffer competition that's already out there and already pretty well established um i mean the with, other thing that can oh go ahead i was gonna say with games like uncharted and laura croft and uh assassin's creed i assume that's what this game would be like it'd be in that kind of format of third person puzzle kind of game uh do you think that the the market is too crowded for an indiana jones game or is the ip strong enough to just get people to buy it yeah I don't think it's necessarily too crowded. I, I think that, you know, traditionally anytime you're going to create something, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say it's ever too crowded as long as you can do something new or or kind of like refreshing, right? You know, if, if you're just going to put out a, a, a solid game with a pretty solid story, I think it'd still do okay because it is Indiana Jones. But I think, you know, if you're really trying to do something in a, in a really big way and make a statement that, you know, you're, you're going to kind of move forward with these types of games or you're trying to revitalize the franchise or whatever via the game. Like 
they are there is pressure there for them to make a very good game but it does need to do something different like i don't think it can just stick to the same tried and true kind of like formula that these other two games have done like i think it's gonna have to reinvent itself in some way to bring something different and new to the table like that was kind of the big thing and i I still think it's a good game from i haven't finished it but like days gone it's a from what i played of it's a pretty strong story but it just caught so much backlash and crap from like not really kind of doing anything new or kind of offering anything really fresh on the whole uh zombie genre gaming take thing and so i feel like that's a pitfall that they could very easily find themselves and the only thing that does kind of concern me is that it's bethesda because stereotypically or traditionally bethesda has had kind of a track record of putting games out that are um albeit great games i mean obviously still people love to play their games and things like that but they just have kind of this track record and history of putting out really flawed buggy games and so you know looking at what just happened with uh cyberpunk 2077 um you know that whatever they put out needs to be as as bulletproof as it can be i don't think you can ever make anything perfect but um, it does need to have some attention and a love, I think, put into it if they really want to try to push Indiana Jones into the into the gaming market. Like Star Wars has the advantage that Star Wars games have been going on basically for as long as gaming has. I mean, there was you know been Star Wars games in some capacity, whereas like Indiana Jones, not so much. You know, so like I just think it has more at stake to really put itself in the gaming industry if it's going to try to do that and if they're going to try to keep the storyline or that character alive and moving forward within the gaming world you know so the interesting thing about the uh star wars game is that it would be the ea losing their exclusivity of making star wars games for one Mm -hmm. and this would be ubisoft making an open world game which is very would be similar comparison to like assassin's creed correct yeah, uh, well, I mean, that would be the the. I think that'd be the first thought, right? Is I mean, you've got. Um, I mean, Ubisoft is is definitely not new to doing open world. I mean, they've got the Division. They have go- the latest, you know, Ghost Recon uh, Wildlands and and um, Breakpoint, which were both kind of more open world. You've got Assassin's Creed, like you said, um, and then you also have Watch Dogs. So, I mean, they 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 have a, a heritage of of doing open world games. Now, they also have you know had some kind of lackluster things happen with some of their games and stuff too, such as like Assassin's Creed Unity didn't have the greatest of launches, and um, you know they they've certainly had their fair share of controversies. So, I mean, again, I think there is a a pressure when you work with a franchise that is uh, beloved by multi-generational people versus you're making a new intellectual property that is kind of like your thing. You know what I mean? Like, so again, I think the stakes are kind of high for them and, and you know, I think the hope would really be that, that they try to make the games as, as stable and as polished as possible for launch and and not take this mindset of like well we're going to release it and then we'll just fix it because i think i think the gaming world especially when you're dealing with beloved franchise and ips like that probably going to be even less forgiving if i had to take a, a a guess at it you know i mean is there a version of this game that you would like to see it uh, modeled after a Star Wars game? Yeah, like, would you like to see it as a Assassin's Creed game or as a Division game or uh, uh, what was it, Watch Dogs? I mean, I think it's I, I think it's really difficult. Like, even if it's going open world, I I would I guess kind of prefer that um, they went more with like Knights of the Old Republic, where it's it's super heavy narrative because to me. That's what I really kind of want out of Star Wars for the most part. My exceptions to that would be Star Wars Galaxies pre 
NGE, you know, new game enhancements that they did that kind of destroyed the game. Like, but that was like an open world MMORPG. I don't know if they're doing a, a MMORPG, but I I do think you could do obviously a very strong, very narrative focused and driven, um, you know, single player open world type of experience. And and I would be. I would be co- totally cool with that if it was. I I think it would make more sense for it to be along the lines of like Assassin's Creed or Watch Dogs. Maybe not the Division. I don't know if I don't know the Division's. It's popular, but it it it's the mechanics and things are quite a bit different. And and for some reason, I don't think that resonated as well. And so I think you would alienate uh, potentially a pretty large group of of people if if that was the approach. Um, but I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I think honestly it could still work, but I, I definitely think it would be more in line with like Assassin's Creed type of, of approach, you know? Okay, cool. I mean, I, I was a big fan of the Assassin's Creed games. I haven't played one since I think Brotherhood. Uh, mm. so I, and I heard, I've only heard great things about Valhalla so far. So, uh, I, I it, has some issues of its own, but does but it? It, it it does. But to be fair, like I, I don't know, there is something. I was the same way. I hadn't played one in, in a long time either. I think um, Unity was actually the last one that I that I played, um, and and I heard that with uh, Origin and Odyssey, they they had kind of gotten really good. I heard Black Flag was really good, uh, but the whole thing with Valhalla was like the Viking theme, and um, it, it's not problem free. But a lot of the problems that are there, I think, are relatively easy to look past, and and like the the world and the characters are are certainly enjoyable, and um, the whole like uh, what's it called? You're kind of like building a. Um, it's like a village or a settlement. Yeah. You're kind of like restoring this, this not restoring, but you're kind of, yeah, you are restoring in a way. It wasn't like your settlement, but like you kind of make it your settlement. So you, you're, it's new to you, but you're also kind of restoring it. And like the, the gameplay that they focused around that, I, I think really did a good job of kind of keeping me wanting to come back to the world as, as well as the other things. So it, I think you should check it out. I, I really think you would actually enjoy Valhalla quite a bit. So I think you should check it out. I, I probably I, I might at some point it's it's very difficult to, for me to get get to a video game at this point uh totally understandable i i think yeah i think a star wars game in that that kind of manner would be pretty cool uh that i mean that's all i wanted to talk about news wise let's get into talking about outside the wire starring anthony mackie uh on netflix it's a uh Netflix original movie. Now we are going to spoil this movie, so if you hadn't watched it yet, don't listen. Um, what were your thoughts? Um, you know, it's it's so it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this because I don't mean this like disrespectfully to. Um, I think his name's Mike Mike Michael Matt Michael maybe Halfstrom. I'm not entirely sure how to say his name, but he—I think he was the director of this, and mm-hmm. and I don't—I don't mean for this to necessarily be disrespectful, but I kind of wish this was a Neil Bloomkamp movie. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, like it has some of those same vibes, and it has a, somewhat of a, of a similar aesthetic to that. It, it just. It lacks something that makes a, a a Neil movie his film. Like there's just something so I don't know if it's his passion for robotics or or what it is, but there's there's something that when he does a robotic film, uh, that just resonates so much more with me as a viewer. And I and I kept finding myself wanting that in this movie. I was like, oh, I could see where this could get really, really good. It just doesn't quite get there. Like I, it was enjoyable, but it never broke the threshold of being like, "Wow, that was truly fantastic," you know? Yeah, and I and I'm kind of there with you. I think I'm maybe a little less enthusiastic about the movie than you are. Um, it's 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 it seemed like a lot of big set pieces, but that's about it. I didn't really have any attachment to any of the characters. I didn't really have uh, any real like. I mean, the very end has huge stakes, yes, but before that, I didn't, I didn't have any interest in the movie. Um, so I was, I, I, I didn't hate the movie. I just was bored for most of it. 
to basically to start off with we have this um young lieutenant soldier um who is I believe he's part of the Air Force, but he's flying a drone and he comes up he comes up onto a uh uh active firing situation whatever's going on we have a marine corps squad that's that's being pinned down and uh a vehicle comes in that's going to kill all probably 40 40. yeah 40 members of the squad there are two members that are pinned down somewhere else that if he blows up the the vehicle with the hellfire missile will definitely kill those two but save the other 38 and even though his commanding officers tell him not to shoot he decides to do it so he can save the 38 and because of that he's not demoted but he is uh reassigned to work with captain leo which is played by anthony mackie come to find out that captain leo is not a man he is a robot but a very highly intelligent highly self-aware um super tech robot because the other robots we see in the in the movie that are utilized by the u.s marine corps uh they refer to as gumps they look like what you would think a robot soldier looks like and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a it's kind of like a, a steroid version of the those one robots in um attack of the clones that go yeah roger roger yeah <laughs> they have the same kind of heads and stuff like that uh but we have then you have a couple shots with like the Boston dynamic like animal bots, like the dog uh, bots or whatever. Yeah. There's a couple of those that are 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 in some shots, but they they don't really see any of the action like the gumps do. Yeah, exactly. And then you when once you get to see the enemy versions of the gumps, uh, which is controlled by a warlord gunrunner guy by the name of Koval, uh Victor Koval. Mm-hmm. Uh, he his gumps kind of have those two things put together, like those uh, soldier bots plus the the robot dog bots put together. Um, but I after you after our main character Harp, uh, played by Damson Idris, uh, finds out that Leo is a robot, and which which very from the very beginning, like it's like the first thing he shows him is like, hey, I'm not a man, like I'm a robot. Um, he, I, I don't know. I, I, it's like, he doesn't know how to address him, but then we also, as the audience don't know what to do. And I feel like they never pick a side. He never either comes fully like, okay with it or not okay with it. And I don't know if that's, that's what the the director, the movie maker was, was trying to do is like, give us a real dilemma of, do we accept this? as what what needs to happen in in war or do we not accept this as man versus machine machine is not good kind of thing yeah and you know i i agree with you i think this movie it's interesting because some of the themes of the of the film i thought were uh, traditionally quite a bit deeper than i was was anticipating from this movie i honestly thought it was going to be kind of just a mindless action movie and in some instances it is but there are also the these other kind of looming thematics that take place that I enjoyed, but but yeah, it, it is very weird to me that it's like he's the only one of this type of robot that seemingly exists. Um, the other robots that are in this, they're showing them to be extremely kind of like flawed and like worn down and not really maintained, and they constantly are showing them where they're they're kind of itchy on the trigger finger, if you will. Like they're very quick to just shoot. And, and so it's very like the disparity between the two didn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm like, so wait a minute. I'm like, why are all the rest of these robots so egregiously under teched compared to this one robot? That's like, you know, uh, Anthony Mackie's character, uh, so, like, that was a little strange. But, I, you know, in terms of the story, I feel like maybe it was a directorial choice to kind of try and... Because I agree, I don't think the characters were really set up enough. Um, it, it For being a two-hour movie, it feels rushed. Like, I feel like there's so many more conversations or characterizations or interactions that I would have liked to have actually seen leading up to that instead of what we got. Because I agree, there's there's not really any buy-in of like, okay, well I can get behind this kid who made a tough call 
But then you're also not really rooting for Leo either, like Anthony Mackie's character. And I guess in the end, you kind of shouldn't be like, I mean, he's not really evil for the sake of being evil. Like he's definitely trying to do something for the greater good, but make, you know, a massive amount of sacrifice of human life by setting off a nuclear weapon to stop what he believes will stop all of the U S and the rest of the world from ever having war again. So, you know, his, his ideology behind it is, well, if I could kill, you know, a few million, I can save, you know, billions of lives. And so, it's not. It's not like his character is just. But it's evil. Also, it's it, but it's not good either. No, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's also two pronged because, like, the very final reveal is that not only is it that, well, I guess it's not two pronged. His whole thing is that if I do this as this super intelligent, super uh, advanced computer robot thing, uh. I've now showed the uh, U.S. government that my program as this as being this robot is flawed, that you can get around it and I can kill a couple million uh, Americans. They'll scrap the whole uh, project like they won't make any more of him. And that's the best thing, because if he is not found to be flawed, then all of uh you know they'll they'll make more of him and 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 that's where war will go it won't be between people anymore it will, it will become terminator's future right it will become skynet and all that stuff so the idea is that he feels so much for humanity he's willing to kill a million so innocent people uh to make sure that he's more of him is not made yeah i mean he he makes the statement that um you know, if if he's found to be a successful unit, it will lead to never ending war. And kind of the overarching theme of the whole movie is that innocent people through war are only viewed as collateral waste. And so like he's, I think, really trying to showcase this massive scale of collateral damage in a sense to to shock people into realizing that that war isn't the answer you know um but it's like kind of flawed too because if you follow uh harp's conversation that he's so much smarter intelligent faster all that stuff than humans i feel like he should have been able to find a smarter way to show them that he was flawed and couldn't be trusted and was like well, I mean, going to kill humanity without killing humanity, you know, like it's got to be a way to, you know, maybe to, he did though. Do that. He he oh, he, okay. he he picks Harper specifically. Yeah, that's true. So that's he, true. I mean, the idea is that the government still is going to see that the his pro, the project that he's a part of is not is is not a success and because Harper was there to stop it uh people didn't die so i i mean there's a possibility that yes he thought this all the way through moved the move the chess pieces into the right place so that harper still does it but even if harper falls into this ideology of yes killing a couple million people is fine um just like he was okay with the two soldiers dying to save the rest of the 38 his plan still happens it's a win-win for him either way I, I totally agree. Um, he he would win kind of either way in that scenario, but I mean, he's put a lot of faith in someone he you know doesn't really know. You know what I mean? Like, I guess that's kind of the thing. Is he's like, well, I don't make mistakes. I'm a robot. I know exactly what I'm doing. But I mean, again, there's got to be a statistical margin of error where Harp's like. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Nuke away, buddy. And then it's like, oh, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> like, holy cow. Because then at that point, the machine, I guess, is kind of flawed, but not really because he's testing humanity. But then humanity fails the test. And it's like, I feel like that is kind of also realistic <laughs> that we would, again, make a stupid decision and, and fail that test, you know? So let me ask you this, because I kept thinking this throughout the the whole movie that eventually we would get the reveal that Harper or Harp, I'm sorry, uh, was also uh, a newer version of whatever Anthony Mackie was. Hmm. I, I, I never quite got that vibe, but um, I'm actually not entirely sure if I would have liked that more or less like that. I guess that kind of would have been 
pretty sad if in that moment he's killing him and then like you know he's like oh that wife of yours isn't really a wife she's just implanted memory and look at this and like that i mean yeah i feel like that might be a bit more cliche but i'm not sure depending upon how it's executed i don't know i might have actually liked that more but i don't know i i I mean i'm definitely not saying that i would have liked it more and i i would not have thrown it past this movie to throw in yet another genre into this because like as you were saying earlier that it's got a little bit of this and a little bit of that like i thought it didn't venture too much into any one particular um genre or story or whatever you want to say it just kind of dabbed in every single one that i wouldn't put it past this movie to do this However, I just think that because of the way that he kept referring to him, Anthony Mackie refers to uh, Harp as as cold and, you know, Mm -hmm. being robotic and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I just thought that that was the setup to basically him at the end being like, see, this whole thing was for me to teach you how to be more like humanity or, or humane or something like that to respect life and stuff like that so that you could go forward in your programming, just like I am going like, and then they'd be a team or something. But then when eventually it changes and like, Oh no, Anthony Mackey's character is going to kill people or yeah, it's going to blow up the Eastern seaboard seaboard of, of America or whatever you want to call it. Um, like we definitely went in a different way. No. Yeah, totally. And, and I mean, who knows, maybe that was in one of the drafts of the script to where, because I mean, they do have kind of that weird kind of like buddy cop moments a few times where he's like, so we're partners. Then he's like, no, No. like you're my subordinate, like shut the up. Like you're not my partner, you know? So, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I could have easily seen it. It, it, try to take that turn and and yeah i don't know again i don't know if i would have liked that more or less i don't know if it, it, it just depends on how it would have been executed but but it's it's fascinating too though because you're saying all that and you're like well he's cold but then like that's the whole thing behind the this this you know or the way that he's tricking him i guess is that you know he's telling him he's so empathetic but it's like does he really think he's going to stop him or is he really of the faith that harp is going to be able to be persuaded into letting millions of people die for the greater good since he sacrificed two lives already, you know? And it's like, again, I think there's, there's things there, but I, 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 I guess I'm going back to what you were talking about. And I, I'm, I agree with you. I just feel like there's a lot of elements of this movie that were kind of glazed, not glazed over, but kind of quickly, no, I think glanced right. over. You know, I think it is glazed over. I think the, a lot okay. of this movie is rushed. When in in actuality, I feel like there's it, for a movie that's less than two hours, it felt like it went on forever. Like I kept pausing the movie to be like, okay, we got to be near the end. It's like, nope, that's about halfway. Like it's like I don't understand why this movie feels like it's dragging so much, uh, especially when there's a, there's a, a fight scene or blow up scene just about every twenty minutes or you know fifteen minutes. So. Um, so with that being said, though, I, I, like real quick, what, what since I mean, what did you think of the action that is in this, though? So there are definitely some of the action scenes that are filmed really good, but then there's some that's just not filmed well at all. Like I felt like there are scenes where the your your people that you're supposed to be watching are so out of focus, and the the last fight scene between. Uh, Anthony Mackie's character of uh, um, Leo. Leo. Yeah, Leo up against Victor Koval and his guys. Like, they do this weird jitter step, like, fight scene stuff. I was like, I don't... I mean, I get it. It's supposed to give you this feel of, of mechanics and since he's a robot and stuff like that, but it didn't look good at all to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it like um, it weirdly felt kind of Jason Bourneish in in some of those yeah. moments in that last fight scene. Which anyone who's probably ever talked to me about it knows I hate that so much. Like I think that destroyed action movies for a good while. Um, and then you know, hopefully John Wick and and like the raid and Ongbok and all that stuff was kind of like a return to being like let's stop doing this and actually film actual action sequences but like i do think you get elements of that and and i don't know again maybe that was the choice maybe it was like well let's throw a little bit of jason Bourne in towards the end of this like um maybe that's what they were going for maybe i mean I, like i said i think they just tried to dabble in just about everything to make this movie and it for me it just suffers it suffers in not being focused and 
not uh, building any real characters for me. So uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is that there are two writers on this, uh, a Rowan Athali. I'm, I'm probably, I'm definitely butchering that last name. And the other writer is Rob Yescom. Now, Rowan looks like there's a bunch of, or uh, there's a, a lot of, or it's six credits total and it's stuff that I've never heard of. Um, so unfortunately, I, I can't really talk about any of that stuff. But um, as for Rob Yescom, he is a, at least one of the writers on a lot of video games, um, the division being one. Which again, I guess that could kind of make sense because if you write a video game, you, I would I would assume you're kind of already thinking like, well, I've got at least maybe twenty to fifty hours of story time, so I don't really have to get to the point that quick. But when you condense <laughs> it down to you know a, a, an hour and fifty five minutes, you kind of really got to get to the point quick, and then you got to continue to keep pushing the point. You know, like you can't really take that time and and let it brew and fester like you would on a longer form of storytelling yeah yeah no that's 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 really true because you do have a lot more time to uh spread out a story on on a video game which yeah weirdly he was one of the writers on the division which again is one of those things where you're like oh man like some of that story is good but some of it's also just completely lacking and and it feels kind of consistent with this movie so that's a really uh, it's kind of just fascinating to me that that's that's the tie-in, you know. <laughs> so, w- what about cinematography-wise? What did how did you feel about how this was shot? I mean, I think it's shot well. I, I, I you know, it it definitely has kind of that um, new age action film kind of look to it. Uh, there wasn't anything that jumped out at me that like felt you know bad. I mean, like obviously the robots are, are uh, CG. I would I would guess. Um, and they still seem to fit within the frames really well, which is, I guess, more of a visual effects thing. But, like, you do also have to take that into account of, like, kind of how you're framing that stuff and when you're shooting it with nothing in the frame. So, like, that is kind of uh, challenging. But outside of that, no, I mean, I, I thought there is some really beautiful shots in this, though. Um, like, the way that they were using kind of the rain towards the beginning and then kind of even that last shot of him walking back towards the base where he's kind of silhouetted against the sunset is, is a very beautiful shot. So, I mean, there's... And it's like you said, the the you know again some of its locations, but it's also how you capture those locations and stuff too. Like some of these locations are very beautiful to look at. Um, obviously, there's some pretty war torn parts that that feel believable enough. There was a couple times where I was like, oh, that's a little weak on the on the set piece that's happening there. But you know that's yeah, it's kind of to be expected too because you're you're doing a movie that uh, I, I don't know what the budget for this is, but I mean I would assume. Uh, it would hopefully be fairly large because you yeah. do have quite a few complex set pieces, battle scenes, things like that. So, I mean, you do need a decent amount of, of money to pull that off. So you have to make compromises somewhere, um, you know, and, and I, I felt like those were those areas where they compromised a little bit. And uh, just to clarify that the cinematographer on this is Michael Bonvillain. I, I think that's how you would say his last name. Um, he's been working as a cinematographer since 1993 he's got titles like cloverfield uh under his name uh zombie land a lot of television um uh so yeah uh, the front from dust till dawn tv series american ultra the movie uh so he, I mean, he's got a lot of work and definitely a lot of different things too alias lost felicity yeah, like I said, you know, I, th- I think from a, a technical standpoint, I think it is captured well. I think he did a good job as as the cinematographer. I think it it helps convey a lot of the tones and themes and the world and stuff that they're going for. Um, and like I said, inevitably, you do have to make some compromises. And I would imagine that that's just a, you know, byproduct of budget and time and stuff. So that that absolutely happens. Um, but yeah, th- there is definitely some very beautiful shots in the movie, though. I mean, for sure. And how do you feel about Anthony Mackie and Damson Idris's performances? Like, honestly, for me, Anthony Mackie, I feel like we just we haven't yet seen the that great role for him yet. Like, I know that he is a big star, and I feel like he's definitely 
earn that being the Falcon, but I don't think I've seen that role that makes me think of him as an A-list actor yet, if that makes any sense. Uh, as for Damson Idris, like it looks like he's had some other roles. He was uh, part of an FX show called Snowfall. Uh, he's been in Black Mirror, Twilight Zone. I, like, I, he didn't really show me anything in this performance. I mean, again, I, I, I don't, I think it's really difficult because I don't necessarily know that a lot of that's their fault. I mean, Anthony Mackie is playing a cyborg robot thing. And so obviously he's, he's not going to be completely humanistic. And there is some of that in this. And I think he does that convincingly where you're like, okay, well I can buy that. He's this, this machine. Um, but I agree with you that obviously also removes a lot of the humanity from the performance. And so it does make it really difficult for him to have kind of that, you know, um, magnum opus role, you know, or this breakout role to really showcase his true abilities. Um, I don't think that's entirely his fault. I think there's a limited amount you could do with it. Um, in terms of, uh, was it Damson Idris? Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, I liked, his performance um again i i i think it's good for what's there i uh, you know again that's what i was trying to say like it's it's very weird to me because like i thought it was, was going to be like a minus action movie and in some ways it is but in a lot of other ways where it's questioning like you know humanity and what it is to be human and like the you know casualties of war and like the you know all, all that sort of stuff there is a lot of themes that this movie has that are truly kind of like deep and profound and, and very relevant currently. Um, but again, it's like you said, it, it, it's like there's all of these things there that have the potential to be great and it's leading up to those, but then all of a sudden we take a left turn. And I think, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it's because they were trying to encapsulate so many different genres that um, they lost a little bit of sight of just sticking to what they needed to really tell this this kind of compelling story but i think that also hurts the actor's potential because again you yes you can bring things to the table as an actor but if you're starting off with a foundation that isn't truly profound like are you ever going to be able to deliver a profound performance and my best guess is probably not the bulk majority of the time you know i'm sure there's maybe a few exceptions here or there but for the most part like Probably not. You know, I, I think their performances work well for what the movie is. I would have liked to have seen more of them. But again, like I, it's weird because probably 80% or 90% of the movie is kind of them together, but also not really like they're together, but not really. And it's such a weird thing. Uh, but I, I definitely would like to see more from them. And, and, and I would have liked to have seen more from them in this movie with them being given the ability to do more, if that makes sense. That that does. It makes, it makes complete sense. Uh, okay. I, I don't think that there's really much more I want to talk about this movie. It's, it's there for people to watch. It's, it's, it's a futuristic war movie, but I just don't think that it was a good spending of my two hours, if that makes sense. I mean, that's fair. Um, I would say, you know, if you're, if you're someone who likes Neil Bloomkamp movies, uh, if you're into kind of like robotics and all that sort of stuff, or if you like stories that are kind of centered around that, I do think it's worth a watch from that standpoint. Um, I still enjoyed it. Like, I'm not I'm not sad that I watched it or I don't feel like I, I lost anything by watching it. I, I, I thought it was good. Um, I didn't think it was great or phenomenal, but I, I you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You probably got nothing else to do. So fire <laughs> up some, you know, microwave popcorn and, and, and give it a watch. And, uh, the crazy thing is next week, you'll have a totally different movie to watch because Netflix is going balls to the walls and dropping all sorts of content. So on the plus side, if this isn't your cup of tea, there's plenty more tea that's coming your way from Netflix. So that's the, that's the positive spin. I, I think that with the, all of the streaming platforms that you got lots of stuff that's coming, I think uh, Amazon oh, Prime, HBO Max, uh, Apple TV Disney Plus, Plus, if you have that. Yeah, Hulu, uh, yeah. Netflix, they, they're they all there to 
to keep you entertained now, or at least keep you not thinking about your life. Anyways, if you want to talk to me about how wrong I am about this movie, please reach out to me. I am on Twitter. I am at Mitchapedia G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Uh, Richard, where can people find you online? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter as well. It's uh, at Rycohen, R-I-C-O-W-N. And uh, I need to get back into streaming, but uh, I, I kind of went on sabbatical from it. But eventually, you'll be able to find me uh, back on twitch.tv slash Rycohen and the number one. What would be the thing to get you back on there to, to be more regular? Do you, need, do you need guests to come on? Do you want me to be on there to play video games with you? Is that what it is? I mean, I would love for you to come on there and play video games for me. It's it's a it's an issue of time. Like, I need to go to those like Men in Black days of like standard thirty six hour days or something. Like, I just I just don't have enough time in the day. Um, but I, I I you know I do need to work on on just uh, getting back to it. it one way or the other. I, I got to get back to it. Um, even if I'm just exhausted or whatever, I got to do it. I miss it. So you much and me fun. both, and we we miss seeing you so. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts from our network on our website, GeekEliteMedia.com. Whatever podcatcher you use, please rate and review us. It helps spread the word of our network so that other people can also come and join the fun. But until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. 